Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Before I get started, I would just like to make a a couple words, and one is, Pat and I have been in this church just for a few months, and I just want you to know we feel very good about how you have welcomed us into the church, your warmth, your friendship, and I also just want to thank Nick for everything that he's done. Uh, He gave me some critique on what I'm saying today, so if I say something wrong, blame him. (laughs) But uh, you all chose a good pastor when you brought Nick here. So thank you, Nick. We're going to talk today about Proverbs. As, as uh, Nick said, we um, are in the fourth week of Proverbs. And the particular message today has to do with wisdom and money. Now, I guarantee you, I am not going to ask you to, when you leave today, make sure you fill up the offering plate with cash. That's not my intent today. But it's to talk about what are biblical principles of money. So we'll talk about this proverb. It says, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding, is to be chosen rather than silver. Now notice it does not say that money, riches, gold, silver are wrong. But what it does say is wisdom is better. Understanding is better. And so we're going to get into what is wisdom, and then why is that better than money? And then we'll talk about the money aspect of it. Let me first of all open up with prayer at this point in time. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this church. I give you thanks for everything that's being done uh, in this church, the outreach that this church has. And I just want to give you thanks for being with us this morning, because as we come to worship you, you are here with us. And so, Lord, I just uh, give you thanks for this message. And I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. The biblical principle that we're going to talk about today is God is the source of everything, the source of all we have, all right? So we'll talk about that one. But then the second point is we should honor him with our first fruits and with the use of our money in generosity and service, not hoarding, not in greed, but in generosity and service. So we're going to talk first what is biblical wisdom. Let me first define it as it has up here on Proverbs um, 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you were to look in your Bible at Psalm 111, And you can do that later. But Psalm 111, verse 10, also says that. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But then it adds something. And it says, and all who practice it 
have a good understanding. So it's very similar to the Proverbs 16, 16. Wisdom, understanding. And Psalm 111 says that. The fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom, and all who practice it have a good understanding. Well, let me point something out right now. When we say the fear of the Lord, the first thought sometimes that comes in your mouth is, or, you know, your mind is, ooh, the fear, the dread. And there is that because God hates sin. So we should have that healthy fear. But a lot of times when we think of fear, you know, I can remember taking my granddaughter and her friend several years ago, this was in Florida, and they wanted to go to a haunted woods. Okay, now as an adult, I knew what I was in for, because both of these gals were probably about 12 years old at the time, or maybe 13. And so I knew that I should wear a long sleeve shirt so that claw marks don't end up on my arm. And sure enough, I mean, there were people coming out of the woods and all sorts of stuff. And I was just, and they were so close to me because they had that fear of what was going to happen next. And the other thing that can occur is um, when I was a little kid, probably about six through age 10, I was in my room going to bed at night, had this curtain over a closet that was probably only that wide. But every night, I had to open up that curtain and take my hand and make sure that there wasn't something in there. Now, if my brothers knew that I did that, they would have been in there. But I just had that fear. Now, maybe it was because we stored all of our comic books there and we read too much of Superman and Batman, and I wasn't sure if the Joker was in there or what, but for some reason I had that fear. Well, that's not a healthy fear. As I said before, we should have a healthy fear. So as believers, we should have the fear of the Lord from this standpoint, reverential awe and worshipful response. What do I mean by that? Well. As we just said, how great is our God? There's another song that says, an awesome God. So what we should do is say, we should be in awe of his sovereignty. We should be in awe that he is the creator of God. I mean, whenever you go outside and look at the stars, and right now it's sort of tough with it being so cloudy in the evening, but when we look up into the sky, we should say, oh, you have created this, and we should be in awe of God. When we see his love, his sovereignty, his grace, his mercy, we should just say, oh, God, you are so good to me. You are so good. And so we have that reverential awe, which should then give to us a worshipful response. So whenever we come into this place, we always need to keep in mind that we're worshiping a God and give him all the glory. Give him all the glory. So that type of fear, the fear of the Lord, then leads us to wisdom. 
But wisdom is different than knowledge, and let me just talk that a little bit. Uh, knowledge is information and facts. Wisdom is the ability to use that knowledge to make right decisions. So for instance, we all know texting and driving is bad. That's the knowledge. The wisdom is being able to make the right choice. Now, I could take a, a show of hands here, but I won't. But when I used to drive to Cincinnati to go to work, I would see people putting makeup on in the car while they were driving. Now, I won't ask any women in here, have you ever done that? Well, I won't ask any men either. <laughs> but, but anyhow, um, you know, that's... You have the knowledge, I could be distracted, but yet you still do it. Wisdom is not doing it. Wisdom is making that discernment between right and wrong. Wisdom is the ability to have the right perspective. So that's what differentiates wisdom from knowledge. And so I will then talk about how do we get wisdom. And there's three key elements to this. One is studying God's Word. Now, I want to make sure we don't just say read God's Word. I mean, we should study it and meditate on it. I'm on a, right now a two-year Bible plan to go through the book. And uh, you, if you go online, you can go to a one-year plan, you can go to a a two-year plan. I like the two-year plan because normally it's chapter by chapter and you have time then to read the footnotes and to study it. it takes about a half an hour a day. Study God's Word so you can get wisdom. There's so much wisdom in that book. Wisdom for us to live by. The second thing, oh and incidentally another thing to do is attend Nick's uh, Sunday School class. There's a lot of learning that goes in there and a lot of study and a lot of discussion. It's a great class. The second thing we should do is ask for it. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God for it. So we should study God's word and we should ask for it. And then the last thing is choose your companions wisely. As Proverbs says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Choose your companions wisely. And that's the reason coming to church is good. We get to study God's word, attending adult Sunday school. Being in here, just companionship and fellowship with wise people. So those are three things we can do. So I said we were going to talk wisdom and we were going to talk money. Well, now we get into the money aspect of it. And I just want you to know, again, that it doesn't make any difference if you call it money, riches, gold, silver. It's all the same thing. About, uh, I got an email this week that says, money is like manure. If you spread it out, things grow. If you pile it up, it can stink. So... <laughs> So anyhow, um, about, about half of the parables that Jesus taught had to do with money.
the Bible says five times more about money than it does about prayer. Well, why is that? Well, one of the things that we can look to is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. Now, a lot of times we'll hear the love of money, or the money is the root of all evil. It's not money, it's the love of money. Not putting God first, but putting ourselves first. The love of money. Malcolm Forbes, who was the publisher of Forbes magazine, said, he who dies with the most toys wins. But Randy Alcorn, who is a pastor and also a writer, said, he who dies with the most toys still dies and leaves his toys behind. In other words, he was saying, there's no U-Haul on a procession, funeral procession. And incidentally, Randy Alcorn wrote this book called The Treasure Principle. And he talks about his life in it, but also the use of money. And anybody who wants one, there's a copy on the back, um, on the shelf there. Feel free to take a copy. They're free. All right? So that's The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And I'll remind you of that again. So let's get down to some basic principles concerning money. The first one is God owns everything. He's creator God. Everything God created, and therefore God owns everything. As First Chronicles says, For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. So that's the first thing we need to keep in mind. It's not ours, it's God's. If we go to the second principle, since God owns everything, what does that make us? Well, we're stewards. Now you always hear the word stewardship in a church, and that's a correct use. Because what we have, a steward is one who manages somebody else's property. So therefore, what we're doing as stewards, we're managing God's property. So it's not ours. It's God. And so therefore, what we are to do is to manage it properly. Now, there's two implications of that first two principles. The first implication is God can take whatever he wants whenever he wants to. It's not ours. I read as I was preparing for this, John Wesley, who was the horseback minister, rode thousands of miles on horseback to deliver the gospel. As he was given a, a message, someone came up to him and said, I'm sorry to inform you that your house burnt down. And John Wesley said, it wasn't my house, it was God's house. That's just one less responsibility I have. All right? And I thought, oh my. <laughs> but anyhow, he had something right. As an owner, God owns that. 
and has rights. As a steward, I have responsibilities. And so John Wesley had it right. It's God's, not mine. That's one less responsibility I have to worry about. The next one implication is every spending decision is a spiritual decision. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, since it's not ours, anything we do with God's money is a spiritual decision. So we can go out and buy toys, and there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to make sure that is there something else God wants me to do with this money. I know Nick, what, uh, two months ago you hit the 11-point deer on the road, and um, so Nick was looking for a car. Now, what Nick, uh, keep the principle in mind, that what he said was, I want to get a good car less than 100,000 miles that I can afford. He was making a spiritual decision. So I think that's very important for us to keep in mind that everything we do is a spiritual spending decision. At this point, I could say, does anybody have any questions? But no. <laughs> the third point is, therefore, since God owns everything, we're stewards, then there's no basis for pride, only gratitude. What we should keep in mind is that we live in one of the most prosperous countries in the world. God has given us so many things. I think of Amy Back uh, in the uh, Grain of Rice Project over in Kenya where I remember reading her newsletter and saying, when I take a shower, I don't know if I know I have hot water. I mean, all we have to do is turn on the hot water and it's there. And she is so appreciative. I remember reading her letter and saying, uh, snakes can sometimes get into the termite mounds and so she has to worry about snakes make sure they don't come into the open windows so it's one of those things where you you hear that and you say oh my gosh i remember going with ashley back uh, another one of the back gals and we went down to ciudad juarez a group of people who were in youth for christ at the time and we went to a subdivision to build a house cinder block house the woman who lived in that house went across the street to get wooden pallets from an industrial site, put those pallets together, one high, covered it with cardboard, and that was the house she was living in. No running water, had an outside toilet, what we would call an outhouse, and I... I became so appreciative of how good we have it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, give thanks to God in all circumstances because that's the will of God. Give thanks in all circumstances. We should be waking up every morning and say, thank you, God, for running water. Thank you, God, that I can go downstairs and open up the refrigerator and get some cold milk for cereal. Thank you, God. So we have no basis for pride, 
only gratitude. And I'm about halfway through here. We'll get done by noon. <laughs> no, <laughs> just joking. The fourth point is it's not difficult to lay aside earthly wealth when you have God as your treasure. Again, who's on first base? Who's first in our lives? And so Matthew 6, 19 says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we, we have to keep in mind, we have to keep God first in our lives. God first in everything we do. And as I said earlier, we should be, just be given God the glory all the time. The next thing I just would like to talk about, because it says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, it brings us to the fifth point of principles concerning money. Generosity is an affair of the heart. God looks at our intentions and motivations not the amount that we give. Essentially, what I'm saying there is when God was in the temple, or Jesus was in the temple, there were these people who were coming by giving their alms. Clink, 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 clink. How much am I giving? Make sure everybody hears it. But the widow put in a widow's might, be like two pennies. She gave sacrificially, whereas the others were giving out of an abundance. She gave all she had. And what she was doing is trusting in God. And so generosity is an affair of the heart. 2 Corinthians verse 9 says this, Each must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I'll give you one example from our life. Um, my wife is absolutely generous. She has the gift of mercy. What she didn't know about is I was very similar to Big Bird on Sesame Street. Not the chirp, 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 but the cheap, cheap, cheap. <laughs> Okay, so I was Big Bird. So I thought giving 2 to 3% of offerings was very good. And so over a period of years, we finally said, okay, Pat, here's what I'll do. And she was so kind to me. I said, every time I get a pay raise, we'll up it by 1%. Now, here's my thinking. I'd been getting pay raises every 12 to 15 months. So I said, I got seven to eight years here. I wasn't a cheerful giver. I was giving reluctantly. Well, guess what God did? God started to give us pay raises every six months. And so I said, okay. What I think was happening is God was testing me. Are you going to live up to your commitment? Are you going to be a cheerful giver or a reluctant giver? And so 
We upped it by 1%. Then we upped it another percent. I mean, within two years, what I thought would take about eight years, we were there in two years. And I have to say, God was good to us. My wife was very good to me. <laughs> so, But it's an example of what happened, that God can test us. Now, what's the application? Number one, we should be generous. We should be mission-oriented, outward-focused, that we should help anybody in here who needs help. I would love it if Nick one day stood up here and said, we have somebody in our congregation who needs $3,000 to pay their bills to get back on their feet. And I've worked with this person. I know the real need, and it's a one-time gift if anybody can help i would guarantee you that before we left this building there would be three thousand dollars on this floor that's how we should be we should help each other out we should be willing to do that um, i was in a small group where um, a woman who wasn't even in our small group we knew needed some money to buy a car within one week the small group raised $4,500. So we went out and bought her a, a car. And she said, this is the best car I've ever owned. And so that's what we should be doing. Outward focus, grain of rice, Matthew 25. I, we do all those things. And I think this church should be commended for what you do in outward focus. We should not hoard. We need instead to trust God, which I talked about earlier. And we should remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12:2, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to others. By that he means, I'm going to give you grace and mercy. Pass that on to others. Be outward focused. Help others. And that's what we should all be doing. So there's a couple things I'd like to recommend you do. One is if you go to a website that calls, it's called howrichami.com. Howrichami.com. It looks at global wealth. If you make over $30,000 a year, you're in the top 11% of the people in the world. If you make over $40,000 a year, you're in the top 10 per, or 7% other people in the world. It gives you some perspective of how good we have it. And you don't have to leave your email address or nothing. You just put the numbers in and you're, it, it spits out the number. And you can put four adults, two adults, two, adult, two adults and two kids and it tells you where you stack worldwide. Go there and look at it and get some appreciation for how well we have it. And then, like I said, in the back, is, are these books? Feel free to take one. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org and find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday message with Pastor Nick Stringer.